Hey guys, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and apologies in advance. I am a bit having like an I'm having a bit of an allergy attack of sorts. I'm a little nasally. My voice is not myself um, for this intro, but I could not let that stop me from introducing this week's amazing, amazing guest. She is one of my dear friends that I have met through the wonderful world of Instagram and all things social media. We are chatting with Danielle Brown, the infamous vegan food blogger of Healthy Girl Kitchen. Now, if you know Danielle, you know that she has taken off like crazy this year. She has grown her Instagram and TikTok. She has over 2.6 million followers on Instagram. Her growth has been unheard of. Her recipes are amazing. And what I love about Danielle is that she makes vegan and plant-based living and recipes and all things food related to it. It's just so approachable. And she doesn't doesn't make you feel like intimidating or isolating if you're not vegan. She just wants to help inspire as many people as she can to live a healthy plant-based life. So whether that's one meal here or there, whatever works for you. Her recipes are amazing. I've made a few of them. We actually did a collaboration for a vegan Alfredo sauce that was to die for. So definitely check our Instagrams out for that recipe. And it's also on my blog. But Danielle and I are doing a podcast swap this week. So I'm also chatting over on her podcast as well. So after you listen to this episode, head on over there. And in case you didn't have enough of us, you will hear a little bit more. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Definitely head on over to Danielle's Instagram at Healthy Girl Kitchen. See what she's all about. And let us know when you're listening to this. Screenshot it. Tag us on Instagram. And of course, if you have a moment to rate and review the podcast, that is always truly so appreciated and helps spread the word about just the good stuff. All right. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. And I'll be back in a couple weeks, hopefully less nasally and talking a little bit more like myself. I'm so excited. This is going to be like really quality time together, my friend, for two hours. I know. I'm so excited. And I love that you're on your floor. You know, we moved from an apartment to a house thinking that I would have so much more space and quiet for the things for work and Mm -hmm. whatever else. And I'm still on the floor next to my bed recording a podcast. It's okay. I literally record like my voiceovers for my videos. I kneel down at my bed and like just have my elbows on my bed. And it's like, it is not an official situation. (laughs) Do you batch all your voiceovers at the same time? Do you do like the one that you're doing for that day and then post it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, do you follow um, this girl? Okay. She is 17. She has 1.7 million followers. She's a high school student full-time and manages her social media full-time and films five videos on Saturday. She films for 10 hours and then Sunday she edits. And I'm like, you're putting all of us to shame. (laughs) I know. Could you imagine going to high school or like, well, I guess was Instagram was probably pretty popular when you were in college, right? Because. But like, not really like a little, not as much as it was now. Cause it was still like, I started college in 2014. Where'd you go to school? Um, Michigan state. Oh, right. I knew that. Okay. Yeah. So it's still like, it was like a little bit, it just wasn't what it is now. 
But influencers were starting to be a thing or probably yeah. like in 15, 16. Yeah, kind of. So, but I can't imagine. I, she goes to school. She does her social media. She's making like adult money. Imagine yeah. seven. I thought like $40 when I was babysitting was like, I was rich. Oh, I know. I remember you know? <laughs> I worked at um, a place called Salad Works in high school. And I remember when I would get my paycheck and it would be like a couple hundred dollars a week. I thought I was like rolling in deep. <laughs> like that's where it's at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this young girl, she's probably making thousands and thousands of dollars and she's in high school. Awesome. But, a little bit. I mean, good for her. Some I part know. of me you know, I had this discussion, by the way, I started, I hit recording, I'll edit out that person's name. So we don't, okay. but I was talking to someone a few weeks ago and they were saying that, oh, no, it was my mother-in-law. So I'm on the phone with my mother-in-law and she's telling me that she went to dinner with one of my high, my husband's high school teachers. And the teacher went up to my mother-in-law and asked if I'd be comfortable talking to one of his students because they want to be an influencer when they grow up. And I'm just like, that wasn't like, that scares me. Like, <laughs> oh my <not> God. <laughs> Can you imagine being a young kid and that is your goal to be an influencer? But it's a thing, it's a job. And I'm sure also young kids watch other young, whether they're kids or teens on YouTube too. Like a lot of kids are saying that they want to be YouTubers. It's crazy. And like, I, I don't consider like, I don't consider being an influencer career. I really don't. Cause I think that like you need to differentiate yourself like within that and have different businesses. Like you can't just like have a career be an influencer. Like you can't, if you want to, that's great. But I just, I feel almost bad for students and the younger generations that like all of this is present. Like Facebook came out when I was a sophomore in high school. Like this wasn't a thing, you know? And so I feel very like grateful to have been able to grow up and like looking up to people was like reading magazines, which makes me sound feel so old, but I can't imagine being surrounded by like opinions, scrolling my phone all the time and like looking at things at that lens at such a young age. I feel like the people who are influencers now they didn't have a goal of becoming an influencer. They were just posting what they were passionate about. At least when you talk to people on the internet, food bloggers, fashion influencers, beauty bloggers, I feel like most of them that you talk to say, I was just posting because this is what I was passionate about and it turned into a job. They didn't go in with the goal of I'm going to be an influencer because it wasn't a thing. So I think for young kids and even if you're in college, you need to have a goal. You, you need to still have a career goal of the type of niche that you want to work in. And then if you want to use social media as a marketing tool, that's amazing. But you can't, I don't think you can necessarily have the goal of just wanting to be an influencer. Well, you can't major in influencer. Like it doesn't work no. like that. <laughs> they might, it might be a new major at some schools. That scares me so much. That really just scares me. So let's, well, let's rewind a little bit. How did you get started with Healthy Girl Kitchen? So you went to Michigan for college. Then what happened? So I went to Michigan State University and my plant-based journey started in college. It started my freshman year. Michigan State is known for their dining halls. They're basically just a food court free-for-all, like pasta bar, pizza bar, all you can eat 
they had stations where they had cookies and ice cream and you would pick your cookies and pick your ice cream and you would, you could get a homemade ice cream sandwich and they had frozen yogurt machines on every corner. I, I mean, it was insane. And being an unsupervised 18 year old, I just feel like I went buck wild in all of the dining halls and you could just go and swipe your card as many times per day as you wanted. And I grew up eating pretty healthy. I mean, we weren't vegan growing up. My family ate meat, dairy, and eggs, but my mom cooked dinner every night and we always, I mean, she never cooked anything heavy really is what I want to say. It was very traditional, like chicken, fish, a vegetable and a starch, but we had family dinner every night and I was just used to that. So being unsupervised in the dining halls was kind of where my my health took a turn. It was fun, but I started gaining the infamous freshman 15, as people might call it. And on top of that, though, like aside from weight, I just started not feeling good after I was eating. Like I would get back to my dorm with my roommate and I'd be like, wow, that fettuccine Alfredo and ice cream was so good, but I have the worst stomach ache of my life. And this would happen every single day until I was just sick of going through the same cycle. And eventually I knew I had to make a change and I really wanted to get healthy, but I didn't really know what that meant. And also keep in mind, this was 2015, I guess, and wellness and health still weren't as like cool and as talked about as it is now. And there weren't as many social media accounts or people to follow kind of guiding you in that way. So I really didn't know how to get healthier, how to start or what that meant. But I just started with the obvious, like I stopped eating frozen yogurt three times a day. I was getting like marinara sauce instead of Alfredo at the pasta bar, just little healthier swaps that were obvious to me. And um, upon these gradual changes, I stumbled across a plant-based diet. I watched a documentary called Forks Over Knives and it's if you haven't heard of it it's basically a documentary where they talk about the health benefits of plant-based eating and people it but it's really like they focus on older people who have heart disease and like type 2 diabetes and they were reversing these people heart heart disease and type 2 diabetes with plant-based eating so while i wasn't suffering from those issues i was just really fascinated by that and how food could really be used as medicine and as a tool to really nourish and heal your body. So I, upon further research, found out eating plant-based meant you were eating a vegan diet. And to me, a vegan was someone who ate tofu, smoked weed all day and ate lettuce, you know, like being vegan was not cool at the time. So I looked into it and I just did what I could. I had to get creative. I was microwaving sweet potatoes in my dorm room. I was buying those like microwavable rice packets and microwaving those in my dorm. I would take vegetables from the salad bar and steam them in my microwave. Like I was doing anything I could to make it work, but I really started to love it. And I was loving how I was feeling. After about four months of eating plant-based, I lost 20 pounds. My skin was- And this is, is this still year or is this sophomore year? This was freshman year. Yeah. I lost weight. My skin was looking clearer. I had more energy. I also forgot to say I was napping probably three hours a day before my plant-based transition. 
I would wake up for my early morning class. I would then come home and I would just pass out. And it was like a running joke between me and my roommate. She's like, good night, Danielle. I'm like, see you in a couple of, like, I just had no energy and I was just very sluggish all the time. And I mean, I haven't napped like that since then. And I also, my digestion used to be very off. Like I'd get heartburn. I, the heartburn would cause chest pain and like acid reflux. And um, that completely went away from, from eating plant-based. And so I knew that I really just wanted to help people the way I help myself. I didn't know exactly what that was going to be. I just knew that helping people eat plant-based and eat more plants and more plant-centered meals was what I was going to live for. And so I went to uh, Institute for Integrative Nutrition after I graduated, which is basically a health coach certification program for anyone who doesn't know. And I got certified as a health coach. Right after that, I started my own health coaching practice. But at the same time, I was nannying and babysitting, paying my way through my health coach certification. So I always like to throw that in because I think people just think that, I don't know, I, I'm just on social media now. And like, that's my job. And I didn't like, I was like, babysitting, trying to pay for my own tuition. And find IIN. I'm trying to think, I just feel like it was very popular at the time. It still is. But so like, I think, I feel like Melissa Wood Health had done it. Um, Purely Elizabeth, Elizabeth had gone through it. So I just, all of these big names had gone through this program and had said such great things about it. And I knew that it sounded really appealing and it, it was a great program. I, I learned a lot. They teach you about nutrition. They teach you about the business side of things. But basically I just like, I had no clue what I was doing, but I started a health. I mean, I was 22 years old and I started a health coaching practice. And long story short, I started, st- I started posting on social media at the same time but I was only posting for my clients so that I could be like, yeah, like if you want healthy recipes, just like go to my blog or go to my Instagram. I wasn't trying to monetize that or make a career out of it. But then my blog started getting thousands and thousands of views a month. My Instagram started gaining followers. Brands started reaching out. And I was just like, what is going on here? What am I getting myself into? And that, that's kind of into how posting. everything started. Sorry, how many years into posting was that until you, when you finally said to yourself, like, wow, I'm on to something here? So the beginning of 2020, I took it full time. And at the time, it wasn't even called Healthy Girl Kitchen. My account was Code Green Wellness, which is just like, yeah, Code Green. And I used to get emails because people thought that was my name. They'd be like, hey, Code. <laughs> They're like, hey, Code Green. I'm like, my name's Tanya. <laughs> and um, but, like if websites were like writing an article with like a statement from a health coach, but like using my business name, they'd be like, I remember one article was like the founding father code green. I'm like, okay, I got to change this name. (laughs) I think people thought I was a guy. I don't know, but I had named my business to be a health coaching business. I didn't, I didn't anticipate being a food blogger and having like this cute name that actually matched my personality. So once, once I decided to stop health coaching 
and taking private clients and food blog full-time, that's when I knew I needed to shift the name to be something that reflected my personality and what I was really bringing to the table. And I just thought Healthy Girl Kitchen was a great name. I was, I was literally peeing one day and I'm like, it just popped into my head. <laughs> but I think that when you have a name that is approachable, like you, the way that you have like Healthy Girl Kitchen, it makes it very approachable. And I think attainable for a lot of people to feel like they can feel healthy in their kitchen. And I think that the fact that you don't have like culinary experience or didn't go to a school to like teach people how to cook, like that's what makes your recipes resonate with other people because they know like you're just a girl in your kitchen making food that like is healthy and delicious and other people want to make it and eat it too. And so the name, it fits you perfectly. Yeah, I definitely resonate more with Healthy Girl Kitchen than Code Green. (laughs) It sounds like something something scary is going to go on like Code Red. Or whatever the um, expression. I know. But I didn't even... The thing is, I didn't know you could make money as a food blogger. I just thought these people did this for fun, like recipes on Google. I just thought these people had extra time on their hands. I (laughs) I didn't know they were paid from it, you know? So I didn't view it as a career option because I didn't even know you could get paid. So when I started getting brands reaching out, even brands sending me free product I'm like if I could get free pasta for my household my life is actually made <laughs> like <laughs> sign me up this is awesome I remember when Bonza sent me a box of uh their pasta and I'm like this is the life and so and even like getting $50 for a post was like insane to me I couldn't comprehend that I could cook post it and then get paid for it. And obviously now it's, you know, it's a business. I'm a media outlet. There's (laughs) a lot more behind it. But at the time I had no idea anything about food blogging or social media or that becoming a business. But I knew that, you know, I love helping people one-on-one, but I could, you know, health coaching, I could only help so many people, but doing this, I could help thousands of people and now millions of people at one time eat healthy. No, I love that. When you were growing your account, were you focusing mostly in the very beginning, focusing on any food that fell, fell under like the plant-based category? Or did you have a favorite of like meals, breakfast, desserts, like whatever? I was posting meals like I'm posting now, but in picture form. Video was not a thing as you know. So there really was a pivot to video making, but I was always posting what I was eating at home with my husband, who, I mean, I wasn't married at the time, but just simple dinners like pastas and burrito bowls and smoothies and sandwiches, but just everything veganized and teaching people to take their favorite foods and just make them vegan. Now your husband is vegan too, right? He is. Did you meet him in college? I met Ari when I was probably eight years old. He's my best friend's first cousin. So Ari's from New York. I'm from Michigan. He would come to Michigan to visit his cousins who were my best friends. And he would always be like hanging around. You know, he would come in for Passover or something with his family. And I would be hanging out with my friends. And he was there and he always had a secret crush on me. I mean, he confessed to me later on. I had no idea, 
but he always had this crush on me. And when I was in ninth, or when he was in ninth grade and I was in seventh grade, he would text me and like tell me I was cute. And he just, <laughs> he always, he said he always liked me. And I never, I mean, I never viewed him in that way. But um, one day when I was 16, I was so bored and I was looking through my contacts one day on my phone and I saw his name. I'm like, Ari Brown, like, that's funny. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to text him. And keep in mind, I had zero relationship with him other than like, just like knowing him through my friends. And I just texted him and the rest is history. We've been together for nine years and we got married in July. So you started, were you dating all throughout college then? We were date. I was in high school when we started dating. So I, we officially started dating when I was 17 and he, I mean, he's the only boyfriend I've ever had. And did he, where did he go to college? You did done long distance relationship for forever. So he went to university of Maryland and we were long distance from the time I was a junior in high school. So it was about five years of long distance, which was brutal. I don't, I don't wish that on anyone. No, that's, I'm so impressed, especially at such a young age. Cause I feel like everyone in my high school who had a boyfriend in college or older, as soon as they graduated and like went to college, everyone broke up. They're like, bye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause they just know that like, it's unrealistic to go to separate, especially if you're going to separate schools, you're not going to stay together. But I told everyone, I'm like, this is my husband. I'm going to marry him. And I didn't, I mean, people made fun of me. My teachers were like, Danielle, you're because I would I would tell my teachers, I'm like, this is I'm I'm gonna marry this guy. And they're like, honey, like I this that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. Um, but <laughs> I'm like, one day you'll see me post my wedding pictures on Facebook or you'll get an invitation to my wedding. Like I I always knew. So I just so sweet. Yeah, I was always very confident in our relationship. And it wasn't ever an option for us to break up because we knew we wanted to always be together. How'd you end up in Florida? So uh, yeah, so I grew up in Michigan. I am not a fan of the cold. I really hate it. I feel like Ari and I always joke that we retired early and like came to Florida um, because our life is just like, I don't know, it's like slow down here. And it's warm and nice and you just wake up and you see the palm trees and you always feel like you're on vacation. But basically we were in two separate places, long distance. We wanted to kind of have a new place where we started a life together. And um, Ari's parents are here now and he has family down here too. And I'm, I'm trying to get my parents down here as well. So you think they'll move down there? Yeah, eventually. I would love them too. I'm very close with my family and Ari's parents actually live in our building. They live. Yeah. You've told me that. Yeah. They live two floors below us. That's cute. My parents are in Florida basically two weeks a month and all year round. And they are begging us to move down there to make the move. I'm like, I just, I can't do it yet. I think maybe in a few years I would consider it a little bit more, but I'm so obsessed with New York and the East coast. Like I, like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could. It's, a diff- it. it's different. It's so different. Yeah. It's just, it's just a slower lifestyle, but yeah. you have, I mean, New Yorkers all moved down to Florida. So you'd be with your own people. That's what's so funny to me is like now. So I feel like New York just migrated to Boca. They did. They, because you live in Boca. Like you see that everywhere. Oh yeah. Everyone's from New York. So funny. 
when did Ari transition to eating vegan? Because I think it's pretty like uncommon to see a man that like eats fully plant-based and I'm so impressed that he does this. Like when did that whole thing transpire? People definitely assume that I force Ari to be vegan and that he eats meat behind my back. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like – whether we go out with another couple or like we're talking to Ari's parents, friends, you know, the, the man always jokes with him like, Oh, Ari, like you definitely like eat meat when Danielle's not looking. Right. And I'm like, Ari is a hardcore vegan. Like he, he's like more (laughs) into it than I am. But basically I went plant-based my freshman year of college. Then, you know, I never expected him to be vegan just because he was such a heavy meat eater. And he was paleo at the time. Like he always cared about his health and was like very into cooking for himself in college and like taking care of himself. But he was, he was doing paleo with his mom and he was eating seven egg omelets in the morning and meat three times a day. And I just, I never even thought to ask him to try to be vegan because I just, he just ate so much meat that I just never thought he'd agree to it. And I, I remember visiting him at university of Maryland and I was like, just try one day of eating vegan with me. He's like, I can't, he's like, what are we going to eat for breakfast? Like, can I still have my omelet? I'm like, no, you can't have your omelet. (laughs) And, and he's like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. And he wouldn't do it with me for a day. But then his mom reached out to me and was like, if you're saying all these great things about eating plant-based, I want to try it. And I was so excited and she went plant-based, but at the time Ari was staying at home during the summer uh, because he was in school. So he went back home for the summer and he figured, okay, my mom's going to be cooking for me because I'm living at home. So he's like, I might as well just try being plant-based because she's going to cook all my meals. So then he did it with her and he just, he really fell in love with it and ended up finding himself feeling a lot better. He used to also suffer from like heartburn and chest pain and acid reflux really badly and, you know, lack of energy. And he just, he really, he really took a liking to it. And he now, I think at first we both really went plant-based for health purposes, but now for us, it's like definitely all encompassing and it's for ethical reasons as well. And, you know, for the environment, the animals, for our health. So yeah, we do it together. We love like going to new vegan restaurants. That's like our ideal day is like finding, finding a new vegan restaurant and we cook together. He's actually a really good cook too. I love that. That's also so important when you're married or with someone that knows how to cook because to have all the pressure on like preparing delicious foods on one person just is not okay. I'm so happy Jordan cooked with me. Are there any animal-based products that you think haven't been like veganized in a way that like meets your standards yet? Like I feel like there's so many mock foods for things now, but is there anything or any category that you're like that still needs a lot of work? So yes, I was never a big meat eater myself, but I really loved salmon, like lox on a bagel and like a piece of baked or like pan sauteed salmon was just my favorite thing. And my mom always made like breaded white fish growing up that I really liked. And yeah, I'm kind of a fish girl. So I feel like there's definitely 
some room for improvement in the fish department in terms of vegan. Like they have vegan fish sticks that taste good. And I've had vegan crab cakes that are amazing. I actually have a vegan crab cake recipe, but. Are they with hearts of palm? Like I love. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know how it tastes like fish, but it does. But yeah, I would love a piece of vegan baked salmon. It'll be here in a couple years. It will. One of the brands that we're investors in is a vegan organic like chicken nugget that doesn't have soy in it. And when we went to Expo West, there was a lot of like mock fish coming out that I was really impressed with, like scallops that actually like look like scallops. I didn't get to like taste any of them because they weren't serving them there. But I was really, really impressed with like all the innovations. What if someone seems to be pretty like intimidated to start eating plant-based, like what are what is like the most like what are three things that someone could eat, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner that you think could win them over to be like, wow, like it's not that bad eating a plant-based life. Okay, so let's go through a whole day. Yeah. Of what someone could eat. Okay. So breakfast, I would say a smoothie is so easy. And I feel like people, whether you're vegan or not, make a smoothie. You know, I feel like that's a very normal breakfast, but yeah, yeah, but I love to do like a peanut butter, chocolate, protein, banana, almond milk, maybe a date in there. Um, Just like something that tastes like a Reese's peanut butter cup almost. I'm all about sweets for breakfast. And then lunch, I would do some kind of sandwich or wrap. I really am into wraps lately. And you could do like a Caesar, a chickpea Caesar wrap, which would be really good. Like, and you could even prep it the week before or for the week ahead, just like make a vegan Caesar salad, which if you Google vegan Caesar salad, there are a million recipes. I have one on my blog too. I feel like you have a vegan Caesar. I make it actually like once a week. Yeah. Salad is one of my favorite things ever. So good. And then you just put chickpeas in there, roasted chickpeas, throw it into a wrap, takes five minutes to make, maybe have some like chips on the side. I mean, maybe some gluten-free pretzels and maybe some like veggies and hummus on the side, whatever you want. I feel like snacks, you could do a protein bar, you could do um, apples and almond butter, you could do a protein bar. Did I just say that? Yeah, it's okay though. Don't worry. Okay. I eat a lot of protein bars. <laughs> What's your favorite um, protein bar? Oh, oh my God. I love. Okay. So right now my obsession, it's Nugo, N-U-G-O. And it's the vegan peanut butter chocolate crisp. And it's almost like rice crispy texture in the middle. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that is the best bar right now. And I love popcorn. Definitely like number one snack. Where's your favorite popcorn from? Um, I make it myself. I have an air popper and I just crank crank the popcorn out like I'm a movie theater. <laughs> I always got the Trader Joe's organic olive oil popcorn. Ooh. I think they like perfected popcorn. That one's really good. So yeah, I would say like popcorn's a great high fiber snack. And also like if you're like, I like eating a lot of a snack. Like I don't want to be restricted by like nine chips. I want a massive bowl of something. <laughs> so I feel like if you want a massive amount of something, popcorn's just the best. And then dinner, I love doing lentil bolognese. So instead of doing like a meat sauce, you just use lentils and I get the pre-steamed ones from Trader Joe's and you just mix it with a jar of marinara sauce put it over your favorite pasta and it's like the easiest vegan dinner. Honestly, I 
the same, as I was like preparing for this interview the other day, I'm like going through this and I said to myself, like how often, like throughout the day, do I eat plant-based? Because one of the questions is like, are there, do you think there are benefits if like you eat plant-based part of the time and whatever? And I said to myself, like, I eat plant-based basically 75 to 80% of the day. And some days I think it's fully, like, I think dinner is the main, like the main, like, um, meal that I always have like an animal protein in, but I don't really like dairy. So I don't really eat cheese much. Um, I'll bake with butter, but like, I also bake a lot with coconut oil and olive oil, but I don't like, I think that people think it sounds so much harder than yeah. It is. You it's know, really, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I say that all the time. I'm like, plant based eating doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't sound, it doesn't need to be restrictive. You can take your favorite foods and just literally veganize them. Like, like I just said, doing a lentil bolognese instead of a meat bolognese, you can still do like an amazing taco night. Just if you normally make meat, sub out beans. Or they have so many like meatless crumbles now and you literally, you can just buy the regular like taco seasoning packet and put it on there, but then have rice and sauteed peppers and onions and guacamole and salsa. And you can make a really easy vegan sour cream using cashews that I have on my blog, or you, they, they sell vegan sour cream at the store too. So many brands sell vegan sour cream. So you can just take your favorite meals and your favorite like theme nights, like I like to call them. Like, I feel like we're always like, okay, what's for dinner? Oh, let's do Mexican. Let's do Indian. Like you can do those and, and be totally vegan. Like instead of making chicken fried rice, you can just make tofu fried rice. It's really about the little swaps and it does sound super intimidating, but once you learn how to make those small swaps, it's actually really easy to make the transition. What's your favorite source of vegan protein? I love tofu. Tell me how you make tofu to like make it taste good and like the proper like preparation of it. Okay. So you need to get high protein tofu and I've seen it. So whole or whole foods has it for sure. Trader Joe's has it for sure. Sprouts, but it'll say on it high protein tofu and it just, it's a lot firmer. So you don't need to press it ahead of time. And it comes in a lot less water, so it's not as mushy. I think a lot of people can't get past the mushy texture of tofu. The high-protein one's the way to go. But also, it has double the protein as regular tofu, so you're also getting a lot more protein, which we love. I would either air fry it if you're someone who wants to learn how to love tofu and then toss it in some kind of yummy sauce, bake it until it's really crispy, or pan you know, saute it in, I I feel like what I do is the easiest is I saute it in just like olive oil, salt and pepper until it's like golden brown and you get all the moisture out. And then you put sauce on after. So like, I'll put it in a bowl and I'll do like a pesto sauce or I'll put it in a salad salad and toss it with dressing because tofu just absorbs whatever flavors you add to it. Just like, I mean, chicken comes plain Beef comes plain, like no animal comes pre-seasoned or pre-made with like a special sauce and tofu's the same way. So whether you want to do like a barbecue sauce, a buffalo sauce is really good. Like you can even, I like to bread tofu. Like you can eat just like toss it, like however you would bread meat, you can bread tofu and then toss it in buffalo sauce. So good. I have to try that. I all, yeah. always love the Erwan tofu. Like anytime I go there, 
I feel like everything that they make, they've like turned to gold. I mean, it's like should be gold for how much money you pay for it. But (laughs) everything they make turns to gold. They have their like buffalo cauliflower bites. And, but I make them at home. Like they're good. But I'm like, are they like frying them at McDonald's without telling me? Cause like, it just tastes so damn good right now. What's your favorite vegan protein powder for your smoothies? Do you have a go-to? I have a couple that I rotate just because I get bored. So I do, I like rituals. Yeah, theirs is really good. It tastes like cake batter. And I always like to tell people that because if you don't like super sweet, it, I feel like it is sweet. But if you want your breakfast to taste like literal cake batter, I like the ritual vanilla protein. I like Four Sigmatics. Mm-hmm. I think theirs is a bit more mild in terms of flavor. Like it doesn't have that like, proteiny taste and it doesn't have an artificial taste it's just very like mild but adds a nice flavor and they have I like their chocolate and their vanilla um and they have like their four sigmatic like mushroom blend in it so it has a lot of like adaptogenic benefits to it as well I like and then lastly I really like this brand plant fusion oh I've heard of them I've never tried yeah it's really good their chocolate I don't think I wasn't a huge fan of their vanilla but their chocolate's really good do you have a go-to like fitness routine that you like to do every day? Or like- um, so I feel like my fitness routine right now is really embarrassing because there like isn't much of one and I'm just going to like be transparent about that. I Same. just, Fine. yeah, like I really, I feel like the past year, my fitness routine has just been like on the decline. I've just, there's just been like so much going on and like, personal things, work things, health related things where my fitness routine has just not been at its best. And like, I've really been trying to like be kind to myself about that. Um, Because I used to, I mean, walking is my favorite workout. So if I could do any kind of workout every day, it would be walking. And I do walk a decent amount. But before I feel like COVID also kind of fucked me over. Um, I think everybody else. Yeah, like I used to do class pass and I would go to a, like a group workout class like three to four times a week. I loved doing that. And then I like wasn't so comfortable going to group workouts. And so I just kind of put that on the back burner. And all through COVID, I, I probably walked like all through quarantine. I mean, I walked like over three miles a day. So that was really good. But I'm trying to trying to get back into a good workout routine. I'm like such a walker too. I think last time I spoke to you on the phone, I was like going for a morning walk. Mm-hmm. Because that's like my go-to. It's been my go-to workout for 10 years. Like I don't, I miss the camaraderie of going to classes and like I'll do some of the obey stuff. They have like 10 minute arm things or something that's easy when like a week, it's a weekend and like the kids are playing or like something to do. But it's so hard yeah. to motivate yourself. So, oh my God, it's so hard. And I feel like, I think because I eat healthy and post healthy recipes, people assume I'm also like a fitness guru. And I'm so not like, I have the healthy eating down, I can do that all day. But like, there's something about working out, I just need a little bit of extra motivation. And I'm not, I'm not a burpee girl or like a boot camp. I like something a little bit more low impact. And I don't mind doing like a hit kind of thing once in a while. But walking. I like a Pilates class. I like a Melissa Wood health workout. But yoga. Even- I do yoga every Sunday. That's like something Ari and I do now. I always see you post on your yeah. story. 
So do you and Ari want to start a family soon or like, what are you guys thinking? And are you going to have like the cutest vegan babies ever? Yes. So we definitely want a family. We, well, I was talking about this with you before, but so in December, I think it was December 30th because it was right before New Year's. I just like had this feeling. I was like, I should go pick up a pregnancy test. And I went to CVS, picked it up. I like walked in and Ari's like, did you just buy a pregnancy test? I'm like, how did you know? He's like, because you're walking weird and you're like running to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, like I can't because I was maybe going to take the test and like not tell him until I took it. But like I literally, I literally. Yeah, I just walk in. He's like, did you just buy? like he knew he didn't see the CVS bag, nothing. He just like, whatever. He knows everything that I'm doing. He also tracks my location, like in case I'm kidnapped or something like I want him to have my location. So he always knows where I am. But um, I took a pregnancy test. And like, I really like, I had this instinct to take it. But I didn't think I was pregnant, if that makes sense. And I had also just recovered from COVID. So I was like, there's no way I could be pregnant if I just had COVID. Like, I didn't think that my body would like do that if I was sick. So I took it and then a little blue line starts to show up. And I'm like, um, and I mean, I've never taken a pregnancy test before. So I'm like, I'm like, does it come with the blue line there? Like, does that mean (laughs) I'm like, Ari, look, he's like, he's like, wait, open another test to like, see what they look like. Cause we weren't even really paying attention. Then we open a test. And of course, like there isn't a line there when you first open the test, it shows up if you're pregnant. Um, and I'm like, it was very faint, but it was there. And then I'm like, okay, like let's do another one. And so I took another one and it was positive. And then I'm like, go to CVS and get another brand. And then it was, it, it was positive. And I was just like, it's just like a feeling of shock and Were you trying at the time. Yeah. Yes. What made you feel? And like, I, I can relate to that feeling. It's like, what made you feel I need to go pee on a stick? Like, were you late? Do you have any symptoms? I wasn't late. I was like, you know how they have tests now where you can test like six days before yeah. um, your period. So I was like, I think I'm in like that six day range. I'm like, let's just like, take it. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe because we were actively trying, I'm just like, well, even though I had COVID, like I might as well just take it and see, see what happens. And so, so yeah, I was, I mean, obviously we were elated, but I wasn't like, I feel like people in videos that they post, they like cry when they find out, like I was more like, I'm someone who like, when I find out news like that, it's just like shock. Like when Ari proposed to me, I like didn't cry. I was like, I think like the the next day I cried, like my emotions need to catch up to how I'm to what's going on. So I was just, I mean, I've always wanted to be a mom. I like, I love kids. I love babies, obsessed with babies. Every, if a baby passes me in the grocery store, like I have to talk to the mom and be like, how old's your baby? Like, what's its name? I, oh my God, like, I love your baby. And Ari gets so embarrassed because I'm like always complimenting people's kids. That's so sweet. Um, I cannot relate to something less. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I only love my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I just always like, I always thought I was a mom, like even at seven years old, like, 
I had an imaginary family. I had four kids. I had a husband. Like I would play house and like I just I I would take uh my baby dolls to like everywhere I went. I had a diaper bag. I had a stroller. Like I was just like born ready to be a mom. I would like breastfeed my baby dolls and my mom would like walk in on me and I'd get so embarrassed. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, And so, yeah, I've always had like a very maternal instinct. I always felt like I never really had like strong career aspirations. Like I always knew that like at the end of the day, like I would be a mob. Like that's something I always wanted in life. And I had jobs that like I like were interested in, but like number one, I just wanted to be a mom. And so I was, I mean, obviously we were so excited, but we didn't want to tell anyone until we went to our first ultrasound. And it was really hard because Ari's parents live in our building and like, Uh, and I'm the worst at keeping secrets. Like if I buy someone a birthday present or if I buy Ari a birthday present before his birthday, I like have to give it to him before his birthday because I can't wait. So keeping a secret was really hard. But then we went to our first appointment and at our first appointment, I was, I think I was supposed to be seven weeks at that point. And, and at the ultrasound, they were like, okay, like today, like now, like is the time, like we're supposed to hear a heartbeat and, you know, they go in and, um, for also it's like, why is the ultrasound experience just like, so nerve wracking? Like they, they make you wait so long in the room and they like, I feel like they like put the ultrasound in. Cause it's like a vaginal ultrasound when you're that early and they, they're just like silent and they just like search around. It's just, the whole thing is like anxiety provoking, but they were like, okay, so we see a gestational sac, we see a yolk sac, but we don't see a fetal pole. And like anyone who like hasn't gone through this, it's like the fetal pole would be like the baby. So he, so our OB was like, and he was like, I mean, his, I have to say like his bedside manner was horrible. And so he was like, he's like, so either you're off on your timing or you're going to have a miscarriage. And I'm like, whoa, like, oh my God. Like I literally like just came in for my first appointment. I've never been pregnant before. Like this is my first experience with this. And like, he was just very like, I think some doctors are very just like cold and blunt. And he, he definitely was just, so he, he starts going into this whole rant about, so either you're having a miscarriage or you're off on your timing So he goes, and you know, if you have a miscarriage, like these are your options. And he starts going into the options of like, yeah, I'm like, oh my God, like things were. Where did you find this doctor? He was a recommendation from a friend. Um, Yeah, you can leave him bad review. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we can leave him a lot of bad reviews. And I think like someone who, you know, if they were going through a normal pregnancy experience, he'd be the doctor, you know, he'd look, he'd be like, yep, all good, great, see you next time. And like they wouldn't really have an issue with him. But the time when a doctor needs to be sensitive, I think, is the most telling yeah. uh, sign of whether you have a good doctor or not. And so also it's like this is your first pregnancy. He knows yeah. that he could have like did a little bit more handling. Yeah. So he was like, I he's like, you're going to come back in a week. And at that next week appointment, he goes, I need to see a heartbeat or like basically this isn't a viable pregnancy. So 
our original plan was to go to this appointment, be so excited to see a heartbeat, you know, seven weeks, like you should be seeing a heartbeat. And then we like had a plan, like my parents were about to come into town. We were going to tell them, we were going to tell Ari's parents, you know, tell all my friends. And so we were like, okay, this is just like so difficult now to discuss with, because, you know, it's like, if we were to tell our parents, it'd be like, hey, like I'm pregnant, but I may not, this may not be a, a viable pregnancy. So like, but we, we had to, we felt like we needed to like share that with our parents. So it wasn't like, I feel like there's also so much pressure on social media to like share your parents in like a fun way. And um, so like, no one wants to share pregnancy news with their parents being like, so I'm pregnant, but like, you know, we have to now wait a week to see if we're going to see a heartbeat. So and yeah, sorry, this is like kind of a long story, but I want to like oh, take your time. Give the deep. So the week where we waited was literally horrible and agonizing because I'm just like, and like during this whole time, I have every pregnancy symptom. I'm nauseous. I can't eat anything. The smell of garlic and onion, like I wanted to kill someone if I smelled that. <laughs> Couldn't eat anything. My boobs hurt so bad. They were huge headaches every day like every pregnancy symptom I was experiencing it so I'm like maybe this is a good sign like my body's doing the right thing and I just need to like trust in the process and a lot of people had been like yeah like so many women are off on their timing don't worry like it's going to be fine so we go to the next appointment and the fetal pole was there in the next appointment so that means that like the baby started growing like they couldn't see it the previous week but they saw it the next week and then um, I had actually switched doctors because I was like, I can't see this insensitive doctor again. So I switched to seeing um, the female OB there who's like the most kind, sensitive, warm. So she was like, this is great. Everything looks beautiful. Like everything's in the right place. Like your gestational sac looks great that we see the fetal pole and we see a flicker of a heartbeat. So I was just like, oh my God, like this is like, it was like the biggest sigh of relief that I could ever feel because I was just, you know, the OB before had really just like, he was very pessimistic about the situation. And so for them to be like, there's a heartbeat, like, don't worry, like you were just off on your timing, everything looks normal. And like, next week, we should see a lot more. So a week goes by, everything's going well, I'm like starting to look into like strollers and um, like how we're going to design the nursery. And like, I told all my best friends, I like that day, Ari and I, like, because, and our moms were like waiting to hear about the appointment. They were like together waiting. And, and so we were like, okay, great. Like now we can tell everyone because like all checked out in the ultrasound. And then, yeah, a week goes by. And then I start experiencing like really bad back pain. And I mean, I had had a little bit of like a backache throughout the whole thing, but it was like on and off, which is like normal because your pelvis starts to stretch and but this wasn't going away. And I started to get really nervous because I'm like, something's off if my back's hurting this badly. And obviously if you Google it, it's like lower back pain in pregnancy could mean you're having a miscarriage. And it's like, of course, if you Google anything, it's like, if you Google anything, you're just going to get like the worst of the worst. So I tried not to anything in pregnancy. I know. I know. I'm so, I'm so, I'm the worst. I Google everything. And then like, I started, it wasn't like blood. It was just like a little brown when I wipe. Um, And so I called the doctor and they were like, okay, like this could be normal, but like come in tomorrow and 
we're going to check you out and do an ultrasound to make sure everything's okay. Um, But I just like had this gut instinct that like something was wrong. And I told, and before I started feeling the back pain, I had told my mom and told my mother-in-law, I'm like, I'm really scared for my next ultrasound appointment because I just loved hearing the good news so much at the previous appointment that they had started seeing a heartbeat that like, I was so, I'm like, I'm so scared that the next one isn't going to be something I want to hear. And my mom's like, don't worry. Like, you know, you're fine. And so I went in the next day to, for them to check on everything. And, um, you know, she's like searching around doing the ultrasound. And she's like, I'm so sorry to tell you, but we don't see a heartbeat. And the baby hasn't like the fetal pool hasn't grown since the six week point. So at the, so at this ultrasound, I should have been like eight weeks, but if you remember from the original story, they thought my timing was off. I don't think my timing was ever off. I just think something was always wrong. And I think that at that point, I was even supposed to be like 10 weeks because of the timing. And I just think things never developed properly. And so I feel like going through that, hearing the midwife say that to me, I just, I like I knew because I just had this like bad gut instinct that something was going to be wrong. Ari was so sweet. He really like tried to save so positive for me. And like, he was like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. So I think he was really, um, I mean, of course we were both so upset and sad and, you know, it's almost like a dream being crushed because you start to, you know, have hopes and, and everything for the baby that's to come. So But I think he really, um, he, you know, he wasn't the one growing the baby, so he couldn't feel what I was feeling. And I think he really, um, he wasn't expecting that news, but it was really, it was really tough. And then I don't, and, and I don't think people realize like once you, like that's something called a missed miscarriage where like I hadn't bled or anything yet, or I hadn't experienced passing the, the miscarriage or however you say it. I guess, you know, for some people, it's just like the heartbeat stops and, but you don't realize, and it takes your body a while to catch up with what's going on. So, you know, the, the midwife, you know, she said to me, she's like, so you have three options. You can let it pass naturally, which may take a couple weeks. You can take a pill, which is basically also like, if you want an abortion, like the pill that you take. Or you can get a DNC, which is a dilation and curatage, which is the surgery um, where they surgically remove, um, you know, the contents of your uterus and remove the contents of the pregnancy. And I'm just like, so overwhelmed. So like, I'm like pregnant one minute, like so excited. And then the next having to decide like how to go about the whole situation and she's like, you don't have to decide right now, but like go home and then like talk to me, you know, we'll, we'll talk later. And, but then I, I really wanted to make an informed decision about what I was going to do. Um, and I feel like if you were to ask me before and like from an outsider's perspective, hearing like, let it pass naturally, like, oh, like that sounds nice. And like, then I won't have to take meds. I won't have to go through surgery. But one, if you wait too long, you can get a life-threatening infection and then you'll end up having to go through the surgery anyway. Um, Or 
also the other thing is you don't know when it's going to happen to you so I didn't want to be like in a target and then like start to bleed everywhere because they're like you it could take two or three weeks for this to happen so I didn't I, I wanted to just like uh, for lack of a better term like move on like I didn't want to be like in in limbo having anxiety about waiting for um it to take place so then I learned about the pill and I heard just horror stories about women taking the pill like it essentially induces labor I mean I'm not an expert in it but I heard that women like uh are like throwing up having diarrhea on the toilet while like passing the feet like passing whatever is in your uterus placenta um the fetus like some women said they see the fetus in the toilet like just a nightmare I I don't I didn't want to see anything and not to mention the pain it's extremely painful like you're basically like going through labor at home and expelling all the contents of the pregnancy just like in your bathroom I mean it's you can't even comprehend and then I learned about the surgery and I talked to my gynecologist about it who my my new lovely kind female gynecologist she's like the most sensitive sweet woman and she explained to me that I would be under anesthesia I wouldn't feel any pain um they use like a very gentle um almost like a vacuum to kind of suction everything out and then you know after the surgery you have some bleeding and cramping, but you know that like it's all out. Your risk of infection is really low and like you can try to conceive immediately after and like the the benefits or there's the there aren't really any cons to doing it. It's a very safe procedure. So I, I opted for that in the end. Um, so it was it literally she the OB called me after because she's the one who performed the procedure. She's like, it took us four minutes like She's like, your cervix was fully dilated, which like honestly made me feel a little better that like my body was ready to like go through that process. Um, Cause I've heard stories where people go in for their DNC and like they get an ultrasound before and like they find a heartbeat. I know. So, so I was glad that like my body was ready for that. And she said it took four minutes. It was like a textbook procedure. It went well. Um, the cramping afterwards was way worse than they had described it was like the worst like period cramps times a hundred like to the point I'm like bawling my eyes out in pain it it was the worst the worst cramping pain and I feel like I bled for like a week and a half like a very almost like a heavy period so so yeah that's that's what I've been going through all well trying to manage my business and making content and like putting a smile on my face. And, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to stay positive, take care of myself, know that like so many women have gone through the same thing. Like I think in, in opening up just so far to like family and friends, um, the amount of women, it's like 50% of the women I've talked to were like, oh yeah, I had a miscarriage too. And like, then I went on to have like three other kids or I had a miscarriage in between like my first and second or like, oh yeah, that happened to me. And I'm like, why doesn't anyone talk about this? And it definitely, it made me feel less alone when like other women would open up to me. So that's why I wanted to share with you on your podcast and just, you know, 
let women know like if they go through this they're not alone it's so common and like look I'm like 26 I'm young I eat really healthy I take care of myself and this still happened to me and I think you know sometimes women feel shame that like their body failed them or you know because like this is what we're supposed to do is like birth babies and um and especially for me like since this is something that like I've always wanted um it was you know it's it's been hard to hard to grasp like why this would happen um so my my doctors think that it's possibly because I had COVID during implantation and that having an infection having a fever while like during such an important process in the pregnancy like literally when the you know egg is being fertilized when um, everything's being implanted in your uterus like during that very sensitive and fragile time I had an infection they think that that might have caused some kind of disruption in the conception process so you never know but but I'm just I'm trying to stay positive my family and friends have been super supportive and um I've just been trying to take it day by day. I can't thank you enough for opening up about that because hearing your story, of course, I was like literally tearing up as you were saying this because it's so heart-wrenching to hear anytime someone is on their journey to starting a family and it doesn't go the way that they thought it was going to go. But I always say that no matter what someone's journey is, Like no one has a perfect journey to becoming a mom or a parent. And if it's something that's now great, but if you don't have anything now, it's going to happen later. Like there's always going to be a part of your journey that's unexpected and like something not, you know, in a dream world. But to your point, like you're a young, healthy, fertile woman and you're going to start a family. And it just means like that it wasn't meant to be at that point in time. I was actually out to dinner with one of my friends in this area, she has a daughter the same age as my son. And she was saying how she had a miscarriage a few weeks ago and how you Mm. were so in tune, Danielle, with your body. Like she had the same thing where she just like Mm. knew something wasn't right. Um, and like something felt off and she did the DNC too. And, you know, she, she was like, it was very similar stories as I was like listening to this. And I, I feel like procedures like that and certain options are there for a reason. So like you did what's best for you, your body, that baby, because, you know, it's not fair for them to fall out of you in the middle of target either. Like, it's nice that it was done in like a professional manner. And now you also like, while you're, at least when I was going through like fertility treatment with my boys, like I felt so mad at my body for what it was doing. Like, I was just like, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? But like your body is amazing. It's going to produce beautiful children. You and Ari have like the most precious vegan babies and like, it'll happen. It'll just like, this is just a part of your journey. And it makes the end even sweeter and like even more amazing because you're going to see how much it took to get there. Totally. I was thinking like, I don't, I don't want to say that women who don't go through fertility struggles, take their children for granted. I'm not saying that, but I do think that if you do go through um, any kind of hardships in, in relation to having children, it makes you never take it for granted because you do watch other women 
do it easily and, you know, just pop out a bunch of kids. They don't have problems, but there are a lot of women who you don't know their struggles behind the scenes. And I feel like also on social media, like for me, when we do have kids, I don't want people to look and be like, wow, like she had it easy. Like she never had any problems. Like I'm sharing this with everyone now because I want people to know that like my journey wasn't perfect. And even though I'm young and even though I'm healthy, this still happened to me and it happens to so many women. And it's just, they don't talk about those kinds of things in school. They don't talk about it in sex ed. I mean, they make you think, they make you feel like, and think that you can get pregnant any day of the year. Like I didn't until recently, I had no idea you, you only had like four days to get pregnant out of the month. It's not easy. It is not. Some women do conceive very easily, which is great, but like it is so calculated. And like, as I've seen with our fertility treatment, it is so calculated, like shot at 8.30 p.m., like back in the office for a 9 a.m., like sperm drop off and come back 45 minutes. Like everything is so systematic and like in a process that it's not just like a P into a V and then you're set. Like there's so much more to this than that. It is so complicated and so intricate. And I do like for me, the getting pregnant part wasn't wasn't the hard part, but um, it is for a lot of people because there's so much involved, so many factors involved, whether it's your timing, whether it's the, the sperm, whether it's your, like there are so many things, mm-hmm. so many little things involved in making that child, like it really is a miracle. There are like a million different things that have to go right for, for that to happen. And I feel like people just don't, talk about it. They don't learn about it. We weren't taught this in school. Again, I really thought that like you could just get pregnant like any day of the year. <laughs> and, like I, I didn't know you had four days. What are the next steps for you guys? Like, what are you thinking? Um, well, my, my OB from the start, she's like, you can, you can get back to baby making whenever, whenever you want, like you're healthy, you're good to go. So I'm, I feel like I, I'm in a place now where like, I'm, I'm ready. I feel like the only thing that would ever hold me back is like the anxiety of it happening again. But like, whether I waited two months after my miscarriage or two years, I would still have the same anxiety. Um, And it's a valid fear, but it's like, I want to have a family. So I need to get over that hurdle and over that fear and and go for it but I'm also the person who's like scared to die during childbirth like I'm just like an anxious oh my gosh Danielle (laughs) (laughs) like I I have so much anxiety in general that like these are like the things that I think about is Instagram and like TikTok like all social media is that really triggering for you too then yeah it's like twofold like on one hand it's like people posting their pregnancy announcements especially like the same time where like I was supposed to be doing mine and like people saying they're pregnant, people having their babies, like that's really been hard. However, I don't want it to be triggering for me. Like I want, I genuinely like want to be happy for these women. So I tell myself, I I literally like, even when I see a post from someone who's like pregnant or having a baby, like I say out loud, I'm like, wow, like I'm so happy for them. Cause like I, 
I don't want to be triggered by something like that because one day that's going to be me. And I, I don't want someone else to have the same feeling about seeing my post. So like, I'm so happy for anyone who's like pregnant, has kids is posting about it. Um, but then on the other hand, I feel like TikTok, I get so many videos about like horror stories of things just because it's, yes. Oh my God, um, I don't consume TikTok. I literally look at like, <laughs> like all the years off, like a few other people and then I get off. I- yeah, they're just like horror stories. Like some, I just got this video of this woman who like had a, I forgot what it's called, something, some kind of embolism while she was giving birth and like almost died. And I'm like, I'm just someone who is anxious around like health things and having this miscarriage definitely didn't help that because I like, I have anxiety about the worst thing, my worst fears coming true. And it did. So I'm, yeah, but I'll, I'll get over it. And I have a therapist now. <laughs> so what about anxiety in general? Like even this aside, do you find that social media and your job can be triggering at times? Like, do you ever feel like you could shut off? Ultimately? I don't really get anxious about work related things. I mean, I feel like the only like anxiety would be like, if I were to get canceled, because I feel like everyone is like, canceled these days and I'm like I always have a fear I'm like am I gonna be canceled over like don't making- call like iconic reality tv show scars fat and you'll be fine okay like- right <laughs> right so so yeah there's like a fear over being canceled but it's like what am I gonna do about that but I feel like my only like real anxieties are around like health like losing people who I love like something bad happening to my husband like things like that so nothing yeah. like because, like, I feel I don't really have much anxiety about that, like, any type of knock on wood, like, health things. But when it comes to social media or, like, work stuff, I'm a sociopath. Like, I feel like there's an elephant on my ch- – I told my mom this morning, I'm like, I feel like there's an elephant on my chest. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do all this. And that's where it's hard with, like, motherhood, having a business, and, like, trying to do, like, personal things. And by personal things, I mean ridiculously dumb things like getting a dress fitted. And I don't know have time between 7 and 1 to do that. Um, yeah, I just feel like social media, but social media, like it causes anxiety for so many content creators. And I mean, I think, I don't know if anxiety is the right word for me. I would say there's a lot of pressure in terms of like (laughs) keeping up with trends, making good content. I feel like I'll make a video sometimes look at it and be like, this is a piece of shit. I'm not going to post this. Um, I have to redo it. Like I'm very like perfectionist. I feel like you also have that kind of mentality of like, being very particular about what you put out and like being hard on yourself about certain things. Um, so I feel like I definitely experienced that. I'm, I'm very hard on myself and very critical of my content. Um, even if like the lighting is off in one of my videos, I'm like not going to post it. Jordan had the light on over the Island before when I was shooting something and I'm like, you're like messing with my lighting right now. Could you yeah. like shut that off and he goes are you kidding me you can't even see like you can see it and you're annoying please shut the island light like now my video is tinted yellow so <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah I get it well this was so nice getting to chat with you thank you so much for coming on and we're gonna go continue on your podcast I'm gonna have to pee though quickly before beforehand but I'd love for you to tell everyone where they could find you and I'm not even kidding you. Like after our next phone call, I'm going to tell Jordan that I want to try and actually go vegan like one to two days a week fully. Oh, you could totally do it. I know. 
100% you could do it. Um, thank you so much. This was amazing. I've been a long time listener of your podcast. I don't know if I told you that. No, you didn't. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Love your podcast and love you. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, and everyone can follow me at Healthy Girl Kitchen on Instagram, at Healthy Girl Kitchen on TikTok. And then my blog for more recipes is healthygirlkitchen.com. Amazing. Not code green. Okay. (laughs) Not code green. (laughs) 